Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. What's up? Everybody have a good week? Yeah, I went to a gaming convention. Had a good time. Oh, yeah? Heroicon? Yeah, Heroicon. Playing some games? Uh, the coolest thing I played, so, Jesus, I don't know if you guys, had, do you guys know what Dark Tower is? No. Okay, so, so back in the, oh, I think it was made in the late 80s, they made this board game called uh, Dark Tower, and it had this really cool feature where there was this miniature computer thing that was the center tower that would keep track of shit. It was... It, really cheesy and very simple, but it was like one of the first times that type of thing had been brought into board games. And they recently kickstarted a, a new version of it, which is Return to Dark Tower. And I played two games of that, and it was fucking awesome. Did it have like a giant like black dark tower thing that came with it? Yeah, yeah, and at the end of every turn, you have to drop a skull into the tower, and it connects to an app on your phone and causes things to happen in the game. That's really cool. But what's the what is the old one? Wasn't there one like in the eighties that had like the? Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, 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 yeah. the yeah the original one was just like a computer screen and basically a glorified calculator. But because uh, we bought something like at a garage sale that you know we never figured out how it worked, but it's like this giant castle tower thing. But it wasn't like computerized or anything. Hmm. I don't know. That might have been it. I don't know. Maybe. Else I would type to look it up, but Cap puked on my keyboard last night, and it hasn't worked since. So. Speaking of which, Brian, you interested in going to a local wrestling show? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? It's just it's just like the local promotions big yearly thing that they're doing. Oh yeah. Have you ever been? Is that any good? Uh I've I've been to one of the random ass house shows a couple of years ago and I keep meaning to go to the shows and, and something always gets screwed up. And I'm I've actually been talking to so I work with uh Harley, who's a local female wrestler who she's not right now, but she's like held the women's belt a whole bunch of times and we've been talking about maybe doing a podcast about you know local wrestling stuff yeah that'd be fun right but i was gonna grab tickets to this show and i figured if you wanted to come i would get you a ticket but if you don't want to go then fuck you uh the 21st 21st 
think it's a Saturday. Saturday. Um, sure. Go ahead and grab me a ticket. All right, I'll grab you one. Don't know if I can go or not, but I'll pay. I'll pay for the ticket anyway. <laughs> I was. I was gonna say. I don't know. I might break you with that twenty dollars. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay for it no matter what. I. I sounds fun. I. I would definitely go. As far as I know, I don't have anything going on that day. Like this weekend, I'm going to be down in St. Louis for entirety of Saturday. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah. My friend Andy's putting on a uh, 12-hour uh, mystery horror movie marathon, so he does this um, uh, series called Late, Late Night Grindhouse, and uh, it's their 12th year, 12th anniversary. So they're doing an all-day like marathon of movies, but they're not announcing what any of the movies are. So Wait, you're signing up for a 12-hour movie marathon without knowing the movies? Yeah, I don't think I would do that. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, sounds great. Here is all kinds. Unfortunately, of stuff. I'm I'm old, and with my sleep habit habits, I don't think I could uh, make it through a 12-hour movie thing anymore. Oh, well, it starts at noon and ends at midnight, so. Yeah, I think I would make it to nine o'clock and then snore so loud that it ruins the entire thing for everyone. <laughs> uh, I think they're sold out anyway. But yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Last time we were in St. Louis, uh, he was showing the original Halloween two. So we stopped by and checked that out on our way to do something else. See, I would go see the original Halloween two. Mm-hmm. But I would want to know that it was the original Halloween too before I went. That's where this whole thing loses me. It's the like. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently they've been giving hints on their social media, but I haven't been. I've been reading on them because I'm planning on going anyway. So. Yeah. I don't trust anyone enough to let them program twelve hours of my life. <laughs> it could be fucking Kevin Feige, and I'd be like, yeah, but. You got to give me at least a few of the titles. You'd be like, nope, it's a mystery. You're either going to get the Eternals or you're going to get uh, Avengers Endgame. I but both of those are good. Mm, but I would say Eternals. I would be less excited to see the Eternals. Agreed. I would. I would say it's more. You might be seeing uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier or. Thor, the dark world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's during my rewatch. I figured out that, man, that second Thor movie is, it's just not good. It's better than Iron Man three. I don't know. It might be worse. No, I don't think so. I think the bad parts of Iron Man three are worse than the bad parts of Thor two. But I think overall, more of Thor 2 is bad than Iron Man 3. And that's saying a lot because Noah hates that fucking kid in Iron Man 3. Oh, but yeah, I fucking hate that kid. I didn't have a, I didn't have a huge problem. I don't have a problem with the kid per se. I have a problem with literally everything else about that movie. So, like the plot and all the characters and shit. <laughs> Anyways. Well, Noah was talking about wrestling. Should we talk about... Uh... Another famous wrestler? We should, I guess. Uh, uh, Doug, do you want to run down Mr. Nanny? Uh, Mr. Nanny is a movie starring Hulk Hogan. Oh, you called it a movie. That's adorable. That's 
barely. <laughs> Mr. Nanny is the live action remake of an episode of Hulk Hogan's Rocking Wrestlers where Hulk Hogan becomes a nanny. Is that more accurate? <laughs> it opens wrong. up with a completely nonsensical montage of wrestlers beating up Hulk Hogan, which for a while I thought was going to be relevant, but it's not. Nope. Um, <laughs> Then, for some reason, Mr. Jefferson shows up to hire Hulk Hogan to be a bodyguard. But he's a bodyguard for these, like, Simpsons-esque children who chase away all their nannies. So all of a sudden, he's the nanny, too. Simpsons-esque is gentle. They're like dangerous sociopaths. (laughs) The Simpsons kids are dangerous sociopaths, too, in the interest of fairness. Um, So. Then what happens next? There's supposed to be, I think, a plot about him like learning to like kids and the kids learning to respect him. But that doesn't actually happen on screen. I just all of a sudden they're buddies. Um, And then he wears a tutu. And then it turns out like this guy that's been going after the kid's father to try to steal a microchip happens to be a villain from Hulk Hogan's past. And Hulk Hogan broke his head open, so now he has a metal head that he can use to ram people. And then a shit ton of utter ridiculousness occurs. For some reason, Sherman Helmsley's an action hero in this movie, which makes no fucking sense. Because he's fighting guys that Hulk Hogan's struggling with, and then this, like, whatever, four and a half foot tall man with a cane can somehow take him out. And then the movie just kind of ends, and I just sit there not caring. Uh, you're sounding way more negative on this movie than, than I am. This, this is the one I liked more this week, so get ready what? for me to not be in a great mood this week. Oh well, I was going to say, you know, what, you know what the fucked thing is? So if last week you had told me, hey, we're going to watch two movies, one of them is a stacked cast movie with Michael Keaton in the 80s about a guy losing his job and happening to spend more time with his kids. And the other one is a children's Hulk Hogan movie where Hulk Hogan is spending time with other people's kids. Which one of those two movies do you think could be remade in modern day and not cause problems? And it's weirdly the Hulk Hogan one. (laughs) Like, how is how is that a fucking thing? Like, because this movie, you could remake this movie. You could remake it right now. They they remake this movie every two years. Right, right. Put John Cena in it. It's hilarious. It's a great movie. They did it with uh, Vin Diesel once. There's a Vin Diesel one. There's a fucking every like action star has one and they're all failures except for Kindergarten Cup. Right. But. I, I don't know. I, I I sit in a weirder place with this. So I have uh, I'm giving this movie a lot of rope to hang itself because it's a it's a fucking kids movie and kids movies totally. are are bad. Yes. Like yeah. they just are bad. So you got to let's let go of that. So we'll sweep I forgot. that aside. My my biggest thing is, you know, the one thing you could change in this movie if you had a time machine and just make it significantly better. And I would just be like, oh, great. Now there's nothing wrong with this movie. What? Take Hulk Hogan and, out? Yeah. You change Terry Hogan to Paul Hogan. <laughs> you know what? I look, I'm not saying the movie would be good with Paul Hogan in it, but it'd be better. 
I would say switch out Hulk Hogan. Like if you want to keep the like wrestler thing, switch it out for Rowdy Rowdy Piper. I think it works even better. Play, playing it as the maniac from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Right. Extra awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I, so I, I, I would and, say all you need to do is add in some sort of character arc whereby even Hulk Hogan could pull off like I don't like kids for a while. But because I'm around the kids, I eventually start to like them. Anybody can pull that off. All you have to do is put it into your script that that happens as opposed to just he goes, I hate kids. And then 15 minutes later, he's wearing a tutu and having a tea party. And you're like, nothing happened. Nothing changed. So it (laughs) makes no sense for the same person to be doing the same things. Yeah, I was I was going to say and and the only reason for all that is uh, is Hulk's problematic being <laughs> not <laughs> existence because, yeah because so while he's he made a great deal of films which is upsetting and <laughs> this this might be his best acting job out of all of them and only because once again it's a shitty kids movie so he doesn't really have to be <laughs> He doesn't, Mm. you know what I mean? He doesn't have to put in the paces. All he has to do is be really charismatic and big. And those two things he does very well. You're discounting, you're discounting Suburban Commando though. I love maybe maybe his best performance. Well, I think his acting in Suburban Commando is worse than this, but Suburban Commando is a better movie. But he's an alien, so it's supposed to be. Acting peaks in Rocky Three. let's be honest where they just basically let him play himself. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, he does a better job playing himself in Rocky three than he does in no holds barred because in no holds barred, they make him do some things outside of the ring. What about but, gremlins too? Yeah, fair enough. Gremlins too. his little I mean, cameo. All he's required to do is cut a promo on gremlins and he does that pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. I was, I was going to say this movie. He's terrible. In this movie, his yeah, charisma not, does he, not save him. He's not good. No. Yeah, but I got so I got to the end of this movie and and I kind of had to pause for a second and I was like, wait a minute. There was not a single weird sexual or racist thing that happened through this entire movie. And it's been a long time since I watched one of these uh, uh, silly offbeat children's comedies from the 80s and not been like, oh, crap. Keep in mind, 1993. So political correctness was on the rise that divide between kids and adult entertainment was coming. This wasn't 1985. I guess, I guess that's true, but so I forgot the kid from uh, leprechaun was in this. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got, I got excited when I saw him. I got more excited to see him than I did like any of the wrestlers (laughs) and that, and that little girl who I've now seen naked in a bunch of things. And I forgot she was a child actress. What? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't recognize her, but neither. Uh, she she was on the show Californication. Didn't watch. Okay, it. and a bunch I, of stuff. I know of that show. Yeah, yeah, it was real weird. I was like, oh no, she's a child. <laughs> weird. It's weird now. <laughs> you guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm looking up who she is because now it's gonna <laughs> sit back in my head. So am I. <laughs> Uh, weirdly enough, I think for me, Sherman Helmsley was my favorite part of this entire movie. 
Well, yeah, because he's the actual. Well, him and the guy that plays the kid's dad are the two mm-hmm. really real actors in this. Yeah. Movie. I don't know who the guy is that plays the kid's dad either, but I definitely he's one of those people I recognized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's and, been in a billion things. For some reason, I'm getting and I don't have this confirmed, but I'm getting like a West Wing vibe from him. Probably. He plays he typically plays like the weird uncle or something in a lot of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I just saw a recent picture of David Johansson and he looks horrible. Oh, wait. I, you know what? I'm just realizing by looking at the IMDb pages, there was some cringy racist stuff in this. Noah. You, you, you're just. How did I, what did I, did I miss it? Where was the, it? The, uh, whatatever she is, the maid or the cook. Oh yeah. Sat, the, the, oh well, yeah. The, I like take over it back. the top, her, her sassy inside. black lady. Yeah, yeah her whole existence that's... is problematic. Yeah, pro- problematic. But I don't know. That's a. I think that's a forgivable one, only because like, at least they hired a black actress. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> yeah, it would have been worse if it was somebody in blackface. I agree with that. But <laughs> she reminded me of the uh, the maid from uh, Billy Madison. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is problematic in Billy Madison as well. But <laughs> I just think Billy Madison embraces its problematic nature a little more. Yeah. But like I said, I, I know you're negative on it. I'll, I'll admit I, I laughed pretty hard a few times during the movie. It was over like silly, crappy, old, you know, cartoon esque things that happened in the movie. But fuck it. I like that kind of shit. I don't give a <laughs> judge, judge me if you want. It's funny. If if I had seen this as a child and not in 1993, like I would have had to have been younger than that, I probably would have found some of the stuff funny. And then maybe there'd be a nostalgia factor watching it now. But this was a first time watch for me. And it's just like I already knew I wasn't particularly interested going in. So nothing like caught me off guard and made me really want to enjoy it. It's... Like, just to let you guys, like, know where I'm coming from, this is, like, the reverse of the the show we did with uh, Near Dark and Lost Boys, where I'm, like, <laughs> in that show, it was, like, this is an idea I really like, and then here's two movies that do it in different ways and both do it really well. And here I'm, like, this is an idea I don't like, and I don't think either one of these movies does it well e- anyway. So it's, like I'm like, I'm already out on these before we even get started. Oh, disappointing show for Doug. Yeah, it was a real letdown for me this week. I was very upset. There's just a uh, bunch of silly shit. Whenever he gets electrocuted and he has the Hulk bozo hair, that was pretty fucking great. Well, trust me, all the like Home Alone esque type stuff in this movie is fantastic. Right. It's, it's fantastic is a really strong word. It's the best part of the movie, though. Yeah, it's good. Although, I, uh, although they're they're pranks like. These are not childish ha 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 pranks. These are no. trying to fucking murder somebody. No, these are yeah. cartoon pranks is what they are, right? They're mm. Did you guys find it weird that there's like multiple jokes about Hulk Hogan's hair, but none of them are about the fact that he doesn't have any? Like they like the little girl does up like his long hair and bows or whatever at one point, and there's like that joke where he gets electrocuted and it's all like stuck out, and nobody mentions the fact that there's none on the top of his head. Like that just doesn't come up in this conversation somehow. Uh, they did acknowledge that he is bald though, because when they show the flashback to when he was a wrestler, he does have a, a wig on. <laughs> oh yeah, 
Yeah. I don't well, think I noticed that. Well, they're showing, uh, what the fuck is the bad guy's name? Doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, I, he, I keep yeah. wanting to say the name of that that fucking that company where the chick ripped everybody off Theranos, but that's not what it is. <laughs> it's, Than, it's Mr. Than, Mr. Thanatos or Than, something. Yeah, like that. Thanatos or something like that. Uh, so when they show the flashback of when shockingly he asked Hulk Hogan, or his name's not Hulk Hogan in this, it's whatever. It's Sean Sean Armstrong. Uh, when he asked, when he told him to throw a match. Which is shocking for professional wrestling. Uh, yeah, he Gay he had he had like a nice like uh, wig on the top where he could part his hair off to the side and stuff, and I'm just like, that's hilarious. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> and once again, I'm sure Doug hated the over the top uh, Inspector Gadget s bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I was just so I didn't even hate. I just I was just okay with it. It's the bartender from the uh, from the uh, the uh, Bill Murray Christmas special. Someone watch that. Yeah, like for the record, I didn't hate most of this stuff. I just, I really just didn't care as I was watching it. Doug it's does like, not enjoy uh, happiness, so he of course <laughs> did not enjoy the, the, either of these movies. They were designed to bring joy into your life, and so. He rejects it like it's a not, foreign not really organ. my thing. So, because <laughs> I actually enjoyed uh, this movie, despite its uh, <laughs> despite its Hulk Hokeness. Um, it. I'm not saying it was my favorite movie, but I did have a weird nostalgic like, oh man, they don't make movies like this anymore, and that's because they're kind of not good. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> As like That's, a third, I don't even know what that means. As like You're a third, nostalgic for things that are bad. As a thirteen-year-old, I'm sure I saw this on cable multiple times. It was just like, ah, yeah, that, that makes you feel good. And, and yeah, he electrocutes Hulk Hogan in the shower stuff. So why not? <laughs> like I was telling my wife, if if nobody has any other association with this movie, the VHS box art I think is burned into everyone our age's mind. Okay, that image two two flexing ups upside down. He's upside yeah. down. Yeah, I don't remember it. I did. I, I cannot. I don't really. Re- I like I know this movie that. exists, but I I never even remotely considered watching it until this week. So you are not a, uh, a peruser of Hulk Hogan's filmography. Apparently, I am not. I've never seen Suburban Commando either. We need to do like a. Random ass movies that Christopher Lloyd has been in month. <laughs> well, the next movie could have been part of it if we hadn't done it already. So I was so excited. I was excited whenever that those credits started rolling and it popped up and said Chris <laughs> Lloyd. I was like, Woo, Chris Lloyd opening. And that, he's in the opening credits. He's in that movie for three seconds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I guess we're not talking about it yet. No, we're not there no, we're yet. Not, we're not there yet. So quit trying to jump ahead. Um, any other favorite parts? Uh, we do get a, a bunch of cameos by a bunch of wrestlers at the very beginning of this. We have, well, can somebody explain to me what was going on there? Because they show a bunch of wrestlers beating up Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And then we see Hulk Hogan like sitting there and he's like fishing and shit. And he's now no longer a wrestler. So I assumed them beating him up was what got him out of wrestling. Well, but later they tell the story and that's not what happened. So I don't know. 
What was it? Was just a random like they're like all these wrestlers. Well, were but like, they they only tell the story of what happened to that Thanatos guy. It still really doesn't explain what happened to him because he dropped the dude on his head and he went to prison. So it's not like he got blackballed. The dude yeah. was in jail. I think it's just supposed to be he's a bad wrestler, and I think he's supposed to have PTSD. From all the times he got his ass kicked oh, as a wrestler, oh, which once oh, okay. again, kayfabe. All right. Are we just you're making that up, though, right? Like nothing happened in the movie that made you. Well, because they because they talk about it a few times where he's the fucking uh, where George Jefferson is asking him if he's still having the, the nightmares and stuff. And he keeps saying, I'm a wrestler. I want to get back in the ring. And he's like, dude, you're all fucked up. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Was George Jefferson supposed to be a retired wrestler? Or was he supposed to be like a retired manager? I think he's supposed to be a manager. manager. So yeah. that's why he could use his cane to like hit people is because he did that like to interfere with matches. Is that the logic? <laughs> Apparently. All right. <laughs> I did, when he started doing action moves, that was the part of the movie that made me the happiest. When he started like fighting with people and like you, like he's walking with a cane. He's already George Jefferson, and it's 1993, so now he's an old man version of George Jefferson. And then he's walking with a cane, so I'm like, okay, he's obviously not going to be involved in the action sequences. And then they're like, no, fuck that. He's taking on the same guys that Hulk Hogan is. I'm like, what? <laughs> that was by far my favorite thing about this movie. We kept wanting to see what happened if George Jefferson became a wrestler. It's too bad that Hogan wasn't with WCW when this movie was made because they would have in- integrated him into a storyline. I believe he was, wasn't he? Oh, was he? I don't know. Because I believe the wrestlers at the beginning, like, because one of them is Brutus the Barber Beefcake. But the, he, he looked no, like... And I think he, I saw Papa Shango in there. He Papa Shango was not in there. But he looked like... Uh, he was dressed up as the Zodiac, which was a horrible wrestling character he had in WCW. Jim the Anvil Nightheart was definitely one of the guys. Yep. Um, I, think I don't he know. Was I, WCW I, at the time. Was he, I don't know. I you you would know better than me who was in WCW and who was in WWE in 1993. <laughs> was that not the guy? The guy with the the white face paint that wasn't uh, Papa Shango. Who was that, that? That was Zodiac. That was the that was the Brutus Bar Beefcake. No. Oh. Are you thinking of Kamala? Oh, the, the, Kamala. Thank the Kamala overly, overly racist uh, wrestling stereotype. Yes, yes. The evil witch doctor from Africa. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't a witch doctor. He was just a savage. What's super weird is that Bruce the Barber Beefcake is listed as a top build cast member in this. <laughs> right? He's ahead of either of the kids. That's what happens when you're friends with Hulk Hogan. Uh, yeah, he joined WCW in 93. So maybe he filmed this movie before he j- joined WCW. Oh, I don't know. doesn't matter. I just, I just want Chairman Helmsley coming off the top rope. Maybe even <laughs> Imagine if Bobby the Brain Heenan was doing the announcing because he'd make like some really cheesy line. He'd say, moving on up to the top rope and off he goes. <laughs> It'd be amazing. <laughs> He's moving on up, Monsoon. <laughs> yep. That's what I want more than I want this movie. It's Sherman <laughs> Helmsley in his like 60s joining wrestling. It makes as much sense as when Jay Leno did it. Oh my God. Fucking WCW. <laughs> Wonder why that company went under. <laughs> just, uh, I, it's just amazing their meteoric rise and then just 
six months yeah. of, hey, what if we just fuck everything up? Well, it was just a, like, here's a whole bunch of money. Go buy all the wrestlers from that company. And then they stole one good idea from Japan. And when that idea had started to run its course, they were just like, we have nothing else. Nope. That's it. We had the, like, let's hire the writer from WWF and then realize that he only works well when Vince McMahon turns down all of his dumb shit, mm-hmm. but they just let him do whatever. So then that nose dives the company right into the ground. Anyways. <laughs> now I'm sad again. WCW was so good before it was bad. They just they had like com- comedians and fucking basketball players just jumping in the ring with seasoned wrestlers. I wonder how come guys keep getting hurt. I don't know what could go wrong. <laughs> you know, it's a good idea. What if we put a metal plate with a hinge sticking out of it in the middle of the ring? <laughs> should we tell oh, we should, yeah, we should ah. warn the wrestlers about that. No, it's fine. Last people who uh, need to know this fucking Christ. All right. Who, uh, but it, weirdly, I think Rodman actually worked, but like Carl Malone and stuff. I was like, no, not too far. My only thing I remember about Rodman joining WCW was I was listening to Howard Stern one morning back in the day, and like Hogan and Rodman show up at Howard Stern unannounced, and they're both hammered. Right. And they've just been out all night. And at the end of their night, instead of going back to their hotel, they went to the studio and asked if they could be on Howard Stern. So naturally, who's going to say no to that? Right. <laughs> and they're shit faced and they're telling Howard about how Rodman's going to be a wrestler. And like nobody believes them because they're all like, there's no way the NBA has to have rules to prevent this. Like there's like there's rules about whether you can ride a motorcycle. There must be a rule that says you can't join pro wrestling. <laughs> like what if you get hurt like and all this? And they're like insisting it's true and shit face slurring their words saying it's true. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and then it turns out it was. <laughs> well, if you watch that uh, last dance documentary, they talk about how Rodman just disappeared for like days at a time because he just he basically had to go out and just, you know, yeah. uh, indulge in every vice he possibly could for a couple of days. And then he'd come back and be a good a good player again. But yeah, he uh, during one of those times, he just disappeared for like three days and then all of a sudden showed up in WCW, didn't tell anybody. And they're just like, what the fuck is so going on? Like- he didn't have the NBA's permission? No. <laughs> at least at least not at first. He just showed up and then people at the Bulls who are, you know, practicing because they have a game coming up in the in a couple days are just like, so Rodman needed time off to go join WCW? What the fuck is going on? I but just... then they but then they said the thing about Rodman is like he would stay out till like five AM drinking come home and then they'd go wake him up at like 7 a.m. to go to practice. And then he would outperform everybody during practice and they'd be like, God damn it. So we can't like be mad at him because he's still like blowing everybody away at practice. I would just like to see uh, an alternate timeline where Dennis Rodman attempts to become famous now. Oh, Jesus. No. Because he would get thrown out of the fucking NBA so fucking fast. <laughs> They'd be like, you're a piece of shit. And he'd be like, I'm the best rebounder of all time. And they're like, we don't give a fuck. Get out. <laughs> you were a PR nightmare. Oh, God. Those were the days when I actually somewhat paid attention to basketball. Oh, anyways, the, bull, the Bulls, anyway. 
We may be pretty far off topic at this point. Uh, it still, still involves Hulk Hogan. That's right. Well, like we said, worst thing in this movie is Hulk Hogan. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, mean even, even, even he's all right. It's just, if he wasn't a piece of shit now, you could watch these older movies and not constantly be reminded that he's a piece of shit. Well, his acting's still not good. No, nothing yeah, about what he cares. does here is good. I well, I do. You no, know, it's like, a kids. It's a kids movie. Nobody gives a shit. I do. It's a kids movie that you guys made me watch, so I do care. <laughs> I didn't care a week ago, but I do now. Like, I'm telling you, you just wait till we get to Suburban Commando. <sighs> he's he's <laughs> he, he's even we're, on the soundtrack. We're doing Hulk Hogan month. It's gonna be great. We're not doing Hulk Hogan month. <laughs> we're gonna do oh see that sounds pretty great this is perfect we're gonna do hulk hogan versus rowdy roddy piper month one hulk hogan movie one roddy piper movie hell comes to frog town can't do that because i already put the roddy piper movies i already put the roddy piper movies on the list so you guys can't do that yeah we're just gonna have to go in there and edit that list move them around a little bit (laughs) no they're on there they're on there You think they're on there, but now shell game. Uh, did you feel like uh, microchips were way more important back in the eighties and nineties than they are now? They were. Yeah. Like lots of movies had some like. This always made this. Chip they want to steal. We've made this incredible microchip, and somebody wants to steal it. What can it do? Everything. It's like all right. I really, I really liked the moment where Hulk Hogan looks at that guy and he goes, wow, you invented this microchip? And he goes, what? No, I own a giant company. Somebody else made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then they played that joke, of course, that he's a dumb wrestler. He wouldn't know what it means. And then he spouts off some like expert did dictionary definition of what a microchip yeah. is. Yeah, he did not prove that he knows what microchips is. He proves that you read that somewhere. <laughs> like, uh, how, about, how about when he shows up for the job interview and the 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 guard at the gate is just like, uh, we don't know who you are. And then immediately, like, let's just let's fight. And he just beats the living shit out of two guards. Yeah. And that makes that that makes the, the guy the guy like, no, we have to hire him. He's the best. Obviously, he yeah. beat up our guards. You know, bard guards, I guess that means he's uh, a better bodyguard than them. So, it, I mean, that's kids movie logic, but oh, it, was, totally. it was not well executed to say that anything. As was uh, the kids acting up because they want their dad to pay attention to him. I'm not saying that doesn't happen sort of a little bit more subliminally, but man, like these kids will do something. And the dad's like, what are you doing? And like, uh, we totally did this. You going to punish us? This is like no, and the kids are like, "Oh, what about the one scene where the dad goes in and he and he goes, "What are you doing in here, Dad?" He goes, "I just came to say goodnight to my son." Is that so surprising? The kid goes, "Well, frankly, yes, it is." <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do get to see Hulk Hogan in the fucking tutu, of course. Mm-hmm. At, at least with the tutu he wore, like the full spandex underneath it, because he spent a little bit of time wandering around and just like way too small of a towel in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing in the middle of this children's movie? That might be in the writer for him as an actor, because a whole lot of the movies he's in, at some point he ends up in a teeny tiny towel and or like mm-hmm. a Speedo. 
Yeah, he's got to show off those muscles. Well, I mean, we know he's in a weird shit. I mean, he had sex with his best friend's wife for yeah. the hell of it, I guess. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> so fucking weird. <laughs> and then for some reason after it was over, just said the N-word like 25 times and then yeah. got really upset when he found out all that was on tape. Well, I mean, if you take as a given that you've already done all that other stuff, then you would get upset finding out it was on tape too. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably, most of us won't find ourselves in that situation. Yeah, I try not to fuck the wives of my best friends, even when they tell me it's okay. And then mm-hmm. I try not to say the N-word a bunch of times afterwards. It's weird how hard it is to keep myself under control. It's funny that, like, he got upset when he found out he was being taped because it's like, I can't believe these guys betrayed my trust. The guy who asked me to come over to his house and sleep with his wife in front of him. That's not a trustworthy individual. Who <laughs> was a shock jock radio guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, all right. Anything else about Mr. Nanny that we need to talk about? <laughs> no. Uh, all right, then. Well, Noah, do you want to run down Mr. Mom? Yeah. So Mr. Mom, uh, Michael Keaton and his wife have the normal nuclear uh, bullshit idea of what a normal American family is, you know, uh, and it's the 80s. So they survive on a single income. It's, it is the super American dream because he built cars in Detroit. Yeah, yes. yeah, he builds cars. Survive does not describe the house they live in either. Uh, they're, they're rich as fuck on one salary. Yeah. <laughs> he he loses his job due to cutbacks at the plant. Uh, and his wife gets a job. So their roles are reversed. And she has to, <laughs> is a soft, soft, frail woman, live in the horrible, harsh world of working a full-time job and he has to learn such unmanly skills as doing laundry, going to the grocery store, the horror, the horror. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's, that's literally the entire plot of this movie. There's some infidelity stuff where there's a local lady who wants <sighs> to get all on Michael Keaton's dick, which I'll be honest. <sighs> would. Oh my God, Doug, we get your point. And uh, and of course, the boss who is uh, Rose Roseanne's boss slash later business partner wants to fuck the wife. Martin Mull. Yeah, this is a top, top to bottom. Fantastic cast. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great cast. It, and on paper, it's a great cast. And all, you can shut your mouth. Yeah. And all sorts of shenanigans happened. And and then the movie ends with uh them learning the lesson that uh maybe things should just go back to the way they were at the beginning of the movie that's i gotta admit the one place where this movie shocked me was when the end they're just like okay you get your job back and you go back to being a housewife this whole experiment was not us learning an important lesson about how anybody can do anything and people shouldn't be stuck in their typical roles it was the opposite. It was it was a morality tale about how everyone should get back to doing what they're supposed to do. Well, there's to to be fair, this was nineteen like nineteen eighty three. Sure, and it was written by John Hughes, who is not known for for maybe a little bit more uh, right uh, subtlety than that. At least at he that is time, he's known for writing a lot funnier movies. I thought oh, this see, movie was funny. 
Yeah, I thought it, I th- I thought it was hilarious. It's just really? hilarious, and at the same time, like you're going, "Fuck, that wasn't that long ago." Like I can't. Th- the fact that one of the very first thing that happens in the movie is whenever he loses his job and goes home and he's talking to his wife and she's like, well, maybe I, I should apply for jobs as well. Since, you know, I have a, uh, <laughs> a master's degree and experience. So yeah. And he gets so fucking upset, not <laughs> for no other reason than the audacity that her thinking that she might be able to get a job faster than he can. Yeah. In fact, and I mean, and that's the tone setter for the movie. Like, you're like, oh, so fuck me. Like, I think we can all agree with the parts of the movie that are problematic, right? Yeah. All all the things. Yeah. Basically the whole movie. Like that. I've, I've, I've brought this movie up to Amanda before. She, she's just like, no, I never saw it. So I waited for her to get home today and to watch it. And I did point out to her. Now, this is the zany concept that a man loses his job and his wife has to go to work and he has to take care of the kids. And she is like, that's terrible. But it's she still she still thought it was funny. I mean, and here's the crazy thing. I think of all the problematic things that crop up throughout this movie. That's the least problematic thing. <laughs> Which is just fucking crazy. It's crazy to think that. Yeah, I, I, I guess what I want to know is what did you guys find funny in this movie? Well, fuck anything Michael Keaton does is funny. If, if you didn't, if you didn't laugh at Michael Keaton doing Tell, silly things and watching and fucking soap operas and shit, you can go fuck yourself, Doug. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm sorry, but that sadness is a hundred percent on you. It is not on anyone but you. So like. When he was watching soap operas, you were like out loud laughing at that. Yes. The, the fact that he detests them and then gets so ingrained in them because that happens when you work at a TV station and you're like, oh, I got to fucking watch soap operas all day as part of my job. This is horrible. And then three weeks later, you're like, I can't believe so and so is in a coma. Like that shit happens. <laughs> so that's why I find it hilarious. I mean, it's I, funny whenever he heats up that kid's grilled cheese sandwich with the iron. It's fucking hilarious. His battles with the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, the battles with the vacuum cleaner. Once again, so problematic, but funny. Him trying to do laundry and he just decides to cram every piece of laundry in the entire house into the washing machine and overload it with soap to save time. It's pretty funny. Amanda did spend a lot of time watching this movie going, oh, no. No, no, no. What the fuck is he doing? Yeah. Well, I just like, once again, problematic things of just assuming any male is just fucking so, so incompetent that they don't understand the basics of self-care, which is just terrible. And there are people out there in the world like that. But if this guy is supposed to be the everyman problematic there's also the moment in this movie where they send the weird signal so he started to put on weight and get stressed out and let the house go to shit because he's just unhappy and depressed and all this kind of stuff yeah which is is pretty reasonable given the situation i I get it i get that he's kind of falling apart and that everyone's got that attitude of maybe you need to suck it up a little bit and try harder 
because you're taking care of the children. But they take that to the nth degree where it's like, no, 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 no. Not just that. You should be presentable for your breadwinning spouse. <laughs> now make yourself pretty, you stupid whore. You know, that's because that's it, pretty much the messaging, right? It there. is. It really is. And it's and the fact that they switch back to their typical gender roles at the end, it's almost like we're making sure that the women in the audience remember. Don't worry. Remember, he cleaned himself up for her. So you ladies go home and do that, too. Yeah. It's all very gross. It's yeah. Do do all yeah. the work. And it's 1983. Sexy. Yeah. 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 No, I get I, I, I understand that. No, I'm, I'm the, right. Yeah. I'm just and, more, and more, with again, Doug's, more with Doug's apathy towards this movie. Yeah. I think. I, have you seen this before, Doug? No. Oh, OK. Again, so you're watching this, it through 2022 con- eyes. This concept. Whereas I watched like, this through uh, like 1985 eyes when I first saw it. This idea, though, of like what a man will take care of children like they do this again every two fucking years. One of these movies comes out and I never have any interest in them. And maybe like partially looking at it now, maybe because I do take care of a child all the time. And it's not like not like when I go to the grocery store with my kid that I lose him and put him in the wrong cart like it. I don't know. The whole thing is just ridiculous. It's oh, it's it is the comedy. A comedy. The comedy is yeah. based on the concept that life is complicated in a way that it isn't. And it's like <laughs> laundry is not difficult. You put the stuff in the machine and you push like two buttons and it goes. It's really like the idea that somebody who's like an engineer couldn't figure that out is Great. lunacy to me. It's not. It's not the type of funny. That makes any sense. I, I, I just nothing about right. I think all all of the humor in this film is in the performance, which I think is, and I'm I'm gonna hold the, the director responsible for this because so many people in this film are talented and not funny that I think that it's got to be on the director because I know John Hughes can write funny stuff because like the vacation movies exist. I know that like Michael Keaton can act. You know what I mean? Like I, the fact that it's not funny, I think falls on the director. Who's the director. It, but, but once again, I think you're the only person who doesn't find Michael. Yeah, I think fun. it's funny. <laughs> I, I don't see any, this falls. It falls on you, duck. I don't see. I, so like <laughs> Stan, Stan Rod de Grotti is the director. Nobody I've ever heard of. All right. Well, probably because he made this and people were like, well, you're not a very good director. Well, this was a very popular movie in the eighties. So sure. It was probably very popular amongst like the types of housewives who try to convince you that staying home and taking care of the house all day is the hardest job in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, well, meanwhile, like some of us are single parents and have to take care of the house and have a job and the house doesn't just collapse in on itself. Like life just goes on. So, this guy also directed Necessary Roughness with Scott Bakula. So I wonder if that holds up. Classic director. <laughs> I mean, in that in that there's movie, the whole, in there's that the movie, whole there's scene the where the baby <laughs> the baby eats an entire can of chili while nobody's looking and then just like <laughs> shits its brains out, apparently. <laughs> See, that's at least a funny concept to me, but it didn't work in the movie. Maybe because like if you're going to do it, you need to be more gross about it. If you're going to make shit jokes, 
Yeah, but it was not, again, 1983. Right. I guess. I don't know. Once again, another problematic messaging. Uh, whenever the wife first goes to the job and she has that conversation with the the secretary. Oh, and yeah. she mentions that her interview is at a luncheon. The, the secretary gets a look on her face. And we're never directly told it, but I think the entire insinuation is the only reason she ever got a job was that this guy wanted to fuck her in the first place. Oh, yeah, it is. When yeah. she's good at her job, he's shocked because it never occurred to him that she'd be good at her job because that's not why he hired her. Right. Like, he, like I, at least that character, his behavior is like. It's called out as being wrong. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows he's the jerk. As opposed to like all the other inappropriate behavior in this movie where they pretend it's okay. I mean, I really, I thought the whole tuna sales pitch thing is hilarious too, where her entire sales pitch is basically just like, why don't you just act like you're not a piece of shit and people will (laughs) like you. And then they make that commercial. Like at the end, he's like holding an American flag and a can of tuna. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what the fuck they would do. I found it like I, I was trying to figure out if it was a joke that they were putting this much effort into selling tuna at all. Because like, is that a thing? Like, I don't know that I've ever seen a tuna commercial. Well, they were big back in the eighties, wasn't it? Uh, Charlie or whatever the yeah. sunkissed tuna. Well, plus I think the official American food of the nineteen eighties was tuna noodle casserole. Okay, because it true. was. Yeah, it was cheap, and you could slap it together in one dish. People love that. Sounds pretty good, though. I'd eat that. I can. I make a pretty mean tuna noodle casserole. Well, I think I'm gonna have to make my kid eat that just so I have an excuse to eat it. <laughs> eat it. Yeah, eat it. I miss for dinner now. Yeah, I don't want it. You're Dad, gonna eat it. I don't like any of the ingredients in this. It's fine. They'll taste fine if you mash them all together. Cool. Another another bit of problematic messaging. Michael Keaton's character gets defensive the second he hears his wife refer to another man by his first name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just instantly sexually threatened. But see, I mean, maybe maybe in his mind, though, it is the uh, oh well, this guy's like I mean, he turned out to be right, so you can't be too mad at him, but. Like we were talking, like with the secretary, she pretty much put together like, oh, he just hired you because wants to sleep with you. Well, that secretary is like the like Harvey Weinstein secretary who like knows what's going on and plays her part and like is blaming the woman for being harassed. It's like a really weird character to have in this movie because she's like mad at her. She's like, oh, I'm so mad at you. Because my boss wants to hire you to sleep with you. And it's like, well, she doesn't know that's why she got hired. Maybe warn her instead of being mad at her. (laughs) Well, she's mad because the boss isn't hitting on her to sleep with her. Is that what she's mad about? I don't know. It does seem like she's awfully. uh, um, She's very much a gatekeeper to the boss. Yeah, And for me, that would lead her like, no, pay attention to me. They didn't really play that up, though. They, They don't really. Like here, and then maybe at the uh, company picnic thing a little bit. That's the about weird, it. The weird well, company Olympics or whatever the hell they have. Yeah. Yeah. Also, what what year was this movie? 83. So it was 
it was five years before the One Punch comic book. I really think that that might be a pastiche of this because it plays out so similar. (laughs) (laughs) Explain what you're saying. So so Justice Justice League number five um, was like... uh, it was Justice League International, right, Brian? Wasn't that the yeah. whole thing that they were moving yeah. toward that? Yeah. And it's the comic book that made the big shift where they took it from everyone's going out and saving the world to let's just follow them around the Justice League office and make it funny. Which completely okay. revitalized it and like saved comics. Yeah. But it, it Cause, all cause they starts... got they got rid of, of a lot of the big characters and brought in some of like the or second tier characters like Superman and Wonder Woman. I don't think it was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. They're all Batman. Batman was though. He was like the only one that was sort of the leftover from the original lineup. And the whole thing that happens is they, so they've brought in Guy Gardner is the new green lantern who is the, the green lantern that wears the bomber jacket. Who's kind of notorious for being just a piece of shit. (laughs) Who is the green lantern that Ryan Reynolds should have played. Right. And he would have fit the tone for that character perfectly. Right, exactly. And there's there's this build up to a scene where basically Guy Gardner is saying that he is the best, the baddest, the most amazing fucking superhero and that Batman can go suck a thousand dicks in hell, essentially, (laughs) and that he should be the leader. And Batman fucking decks him. And it's this great panel where you don't even see Batman. All you see is a blur and a fist (laughs) hitting Guy Gardner in the face. And uh, Blue Beetle just loses his fucking mind. And it's like three pages of him just laughing in the background going, one punch. It was one punch. (laughs) But it's very similar to that kid going one punch and running into the other room, screaming one punch over and over again. Okay. Somebody was a Mr. Mom fan. Right. Right. If this is some if this is some kind of deep DC lore that I'm stumbling on upon accident, (laughs) it just blows my fucking mind. Is that I mean, that moment in that comic book, I think I've listened to a million podcasts and stuff that have covered it. And I've never heard anybody make a Mr. Mom reference. (laughs) See, learning something new. Did you watch this before, Noah? I know I see both these movies. I know I have seen them before, but I think it's been so long since I've seen them that I didn't remember a single second. I kind of going into the Michael Keaton one. I was like, you know what? Something in the back of my brain is telling me that this is going to be not not as good as it was whenever I watched it that last time. (laughs) I still think it was hilarious. Yeah, it's fine. It's really, really funny. As long as you take a step aside and you just go, okay, yeah, this is every, every item of messaging in this movie, bad, right? But the 80s were bad. We just have to deal with that. Lots of good stuff happened in the 80s. And guess what? It's all steeped in bad 80s thinking. But doesn't this seem outdated even for the 80s? Like in 1983... Didn't, I don't know what your guys' households were like, but weren't most people, both parents were working at this time? Uh, my mom wasn't, but... Uh, <clears throat> well, it was, I mean, it came out in 83. My guess is it was probably written sometime in the late 70s. 
So maybe so, that right. prestige was still holding on like it, a little bit. It's like while women were in the full force of joining the workforce after like the women's lib movement of the sixties. Yeah. So this is like an active attempt to prevent them from doing so. I don't know if it's an active attempt. I think it, I think it's just a uh, kind of a funny view of trying to get Midwest people to go see a comedy in the theater. Cause that's probably who this movie really appealed to. Yeah, plus the the eighties and upper middle class America were a weird combination. Yeah, I guess people who lived in houses that big had different lives than I did. So oh, maybe yeah. they don't, were don't ever take people's houses into account when they're watching a movie. Cause they never match up to how they're actually supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, I could I could almost see people from my hometown watching this movie in the eighties and being like, hey, that fucking city boy don't even know how to make a grilled cheese. <laughs> and then also walking away from that movie going, you know what? My wife should make herself sexy for me. <laughs> I work at goddamn Agrifab every day. It was funny when he said he'd put on some weight. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I was as fat as he was. Yeah. And you're dreaming life to be like, Michael Keaton looking in the mirror, worried about putting on weight. <laughs> right. I just, it, ang- it angers me that them attempting to make Michael Keaton look like shit with that fucking God awful beard and looking unwashed and flannel and sweats. And I'm like, he still fucking looks better than me. <laughs> I was frustrated when they're like, what? He's got a beard and a flannel shirt on. I'm sitting here with my beard and my flannel shirt. Watching it going, Fuck you. What's wrong with this? <laughs> take the flannel shirt off if it gets too warm <laughs> now we've now we've got to the real issue what about when he takes away the kids blanket, <laughs> Doug was the personally attacked by this film? <laughs> what about when he takes away the kids blanket what was that shit about why was there just a part in this where they're like also four-year-olds can't still have a blankie and they like it's like why did yeah, why did why did we have to do that to that well, poor child? I, I think like, the whole I think the whole point's supposed to be that that blankie was gross and disgusting and damaged. Yeah, wash it, sew it, and give it back to the poor child. Make a little game out of it, like oh, we're gonna take your blankie to the hospital and you make it all nice again. Really? What the fuck? I don't know, because I I mean I've had friends who have kids that have like a teddy bear or something that they really really love, and it gets to a point where you're like, okay, this teddy bear has become hazard and it needs to go in the trash can i think we've rooted out that someone took away doug's blanket when he was four. Oh, <laughs> that's all ruined ruined no, I, this had, movie for I had a wonderful i had a wonderful grandmother and we would do that we would take like if our stuffies got too old we'd go down there and she would cut them open and take the stuffing out and wash them and then put new stuffing in and sew them back up jesus that's a lot of work it was amazing like it was like it was it was it was a game like you knew you had to go a couple days that your favorite stuffy but you knew when you got it back you'd be in better shape if they had holes in them she'd even buy like material that is that is so much work right it's called caring about your kids i would i would wait for that kid i would wait for the kid to lose leave the room and then i would throw the stuffed animal away and pretend like the kid lost it and make it their fault (laughs) (laughs) didn't traumatize them forever (laughs) see that's even a better situation like my mom would just throw that shit away but but she'd be like, I'm sick of hearing about it. It's thrown away. It's in the garbage. And I'm traumatized for the rest of my life. Yeah, this movie's advocating for traumatizing children. And you guys are like <laughs> mad at me for suggesting that that's a bad idea. Yeah, we're mad I at you because you don't think it's funny. all the messaging in this movie is bad. 
I'm just also saying that sometimes you need to traumatize a fucking kid just a little bit. I'm not sure if you do, <laughs> but all right. So we haven't uh, talked about Michael Keaton's friends or coworkers, one of which is played by Jeffrey Tambor, who is now problematic, and uh, the ever delightful uh, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> the- see one of them strangle the other. Yeah, I was getting ready to say the scene the scene where they're getting fired is pretty fucking great where he walks <laughs> in and Christopher Lloyd's strangling him. And he like is trying to make peace and they're like, You got fired too. And he's like, You son of a bitch. <laughs> I find that very funny. What I did find funny though was when uh which is a Christopher Lloyd's character that like runs over to the window and he's like if i jump now i can get disability <laughs> yeah oh, yeah because yeah, like the, the, yeah, the guy's the- listening he's like you're gonna get severance and you're gonna get this and you're gonna get this and he goes i want one more thing from you disability <laughs> runs the window. Uh, yeah i could have used more christopher lloyd in this movie that would have been great yeah did you did you like that after he gets fired he comes home and his wife tells him that they're having a special dinner and it's basically Kentucky Fried Chicken? Oh yeah, and yeah. they're e- and they're eating it off like fine china plates <laughs> and drinking champagne. That, that was a thing in the eighties though, where people would be like they would order fast food as like it was usually a treat because that's what the kids wanted, but then you would still serve it on real plates and make everyone sit at the table and eat it properly. It was a weird thing, but it's true. It reminds me though, I did see a quote. <laughs> From from an interview that Nicolas Cage did, because of course, somebody asked him what his favorite meal is, and he said, when I was five, my dad brought home a bucket of KFC and a bottle of uh, champagne, and the combination <laughs> was just absolutely delightful. He called it an, an American tempura chicken. I was like, it's fried chicken. Come on, Nicolas Cage. Don't be crazy. All right. So Doug's not a fan. No, Noah identifies that it's problematic, but yeah, still fun. Pro- yeah, problematic, but fun. Listen, no one is ever going to take certain movies away from me. Like Revenge of the Nerds. I get it. It's fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, look, look, anytime you watch a movie that's more than like a year old, there's going to be problems with it. Okay. Right. Culture changes. We We learn and we grow. Great. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy art from the past. It just, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that it's a problem and still enjoying it. I just wish it had been funny. That's all. I was trying to, I should have wrote it down. There was one joke in this movie that I thought was fucking hilarious. And now I can't remember what the fuck it was. Was it when all the ladies decided to take Michael Keaton to see male strippers? (laughs) No. Although that was funny too. That was funny. And I think actually was handled halfway decently. It's actually one of the least problematic things in there. Yeah, like the stripper guy was totally into him, was like dancing for him, and he's just like, uh, here's a dollar, but, but not interested. When he gives him the dollar and he's like, I don't want to see where he puts it or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I did think that it was kind of funny when he got out of the car and he turned around and he threw a piece of paper back in and they're like, what's that? And he's like, that's that guy's phone number. I'm not going to be needing it. That was mildly entertaining. I think I was going to bring something else up. I completely forgot what it was. Oh, uh, I will say one thing that's weirdly realistic. The part where he gets in trouble for going the wrong way at the drop off. at the school. <laughs> so I know someone who was notorious for that, who they did it like every day. They would go the wrong way and they'd be like, yeah, that's you guys are waiting in line. I'm smart. 
So all this and they did it so many times that the town put up signs and instituted a fine for doing it. And then they got all bit out of shape and they were like, I can't believe they're fucking fining me. And it's like you literally fuck this up for everyone every day. (laughs) Yeah. But it was the 80s. Like the way I remember school happening was your parents just dropped you off as close to the school as they felt like it. And you just figured it out. All you people who had the luxury of your parents dropping you off. I rode the bus since I was five years old. My parents never dropped me off or picked me up. See, because we went to the. We went to the school that was closest to my mom's work so that she could drop us off and pick us up. And then after work, she was a teacher at, at a high school. So when school was over, if one of her students needed help. Then we just waited outside until they came because there was no like after school programs back then. The teachers just opened the door to the school and you left. And then like I'd just be playing on the play equipment waiting for my mom and all the teachers would leave and they'd all look over and see me there and do nothing about the fact that I was unattended (laughs) until like sometimes six o'clock at night. (laughs) Then my mom would just show up. She'd be like, oh, somebody needed help with their math. Sorry. I don't know why they made us go to the school that was so close to her work if she wasn't going to come get us right when her work was done. (laughs) That's the part I've never figured out. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, Alright, what did everybody watch this week? Uh, I watched one thing, and I'm assuming we're going to talk about it at the end, so. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. What'd you the, watch, Doug? The end. Uh, well, I watched two things that we're going to talk about at the end because I watched Moon Knight and Doctor Strange too. I don't know which one Noah skipped. Um, hmm. It's interesting because he was very excited about both. I watched both, goddammit. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> just, just fun to poke some. I really don't have much else that I watched. I watched the VH1 behind the music on Weird Al that came out in 1999. <laughs> I watched that this week. The one that was just an entire joke about how he didn't have any controversies. It's, dude, you know what the whole controversy in the movie is? Is like he didn't. Coolio says he didn't have permission to make yeah. that Gangster's Paradise song, and it is literally like they have one clip of Coolio like at at like some press conference, and they ask him like, "What did you think of that?" And he goes, "I don't." I didn't agree to that. I think my song's a little too serious. I wish him the best of luck. I hope he sells a lot of records, but I didn't agree to that. That's the controversy. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and it is like, and then they cut to Al, and he's like, "I my record company said we had permission. I don't know. That's that's it. That's the most controversial thing. The rest of it is just like he's like, ah, uh, they asked me to perform live on the radio one time, and there was this guy there, and he." was a drummer so i let him bang on my case for my ukulele and now that guy's just still his drummer <laughs> like it's just <laughs> now they're just best friends and it's like that's it that's there's there's it's the funny. funniest vh1 behind the music i've ever seen in my life because yeah. i remember watching it and being like this is fucking hilarious there's, there's just there's nothing it's like and then he put out a record and at one point they're like 
his record failed and they literally have Al like making jokes about, yeah, it's a huge failure. I had to get the medium sized hot tub. Like it's <laughs> like he knows that he has no position to pitch because like and they're like UHF did poorly. And then it became a cult classic. Oh, no, everybody loves my movie, but they didn't pay <laughs> to see it. Like it's <laughs> so anyways, that's that's the only thing I watched this week besides the normal stuff, though. All right. Well, I watched a couple of things. All right. That's good. Uh, I've watched Big Bad Mama, which is a uh, Roger Corman produced movie. Okay. Is it new? No, it's from okay. the 70s. All right. Um, uh, it's got Angie Dickinson in it. She plays a uh, a mother of two daughters during the Depression, and uh, they, they decide they keep like you know they play up that uh, men are gross and keep like trying to grab her boobs all the time and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's one guy specifically. So the movie opens with the youngest daughter is supposed to be getting married, but the mom hates that she's getting married to this, like, you know, super dirt poor, doesn't even have running water type of type of backwoods like guy. And eventually she just grabs her daughter and she's like, nope, we're not getting married. They all like run out and the entire other side of the family is like super pissed and chase them out of the church. So they jump in with this other guy who's a liquor bootlegger mm-hmm. and then they're running and they get into some weird scuffle and eventually the police are chasing them and the police are shooting at them. Miss the woman and her two daughters, but hit the other guy. And so he ends up dying. So they feel bad and you know they bury him, but they decide, well, he's dead. Let's just take over his, his liquor bootlegging business and make a shit ton of money. And then they go from like plot point to plot point where they keep trying to make a lot more money for her, uh, sort of ripping people off. And eventually she just becomes sort of like a female gangster in the thirties. Okay. Uh, how, how, how are you this far into your plot description? I have not mentioned William Shatner. Tom well, I was, Skerritt, I, I was or, getting there or Dick Miller yet. Like, I, come was, on. I was getting there. Um, so during all of this, she tries to rob a bank or no, she's she's going to go in trying to figure out how to rob a bank. And while she's in there sort of scouting it, Tom Skerritt, it comes in to rob the bank. So while he's like got everybody on the floor, she's like, fuck it, just grabs all the money off the counter and takes off. And he, so he chases after her. They, he eventually gets shot, ends up with them. And then, of course, him and her like end up in a relationship. But then later they're at a horse track and she runs into William Shatner and he gives her, he tells her which horse to bet on. She wins a ton of money. So then while Tom Skerritt is still like with them, with her and her two daughters at the horse track, decides, eh, this is my new boyfriend now. It's Tom Skerritt's like pissed off. He's like, what the fuck? So then weirdly, he starts dating one of her daughters. Like it's a very, it's a very weird movie. But it weirdly yeah. just moves from plot point to plot point where she's turning into this female gangster, like robbing places and doing all this stuff. It's you see one one shot of William Shatner with no clothes on, which is not uh, pleasant. Doesn't sound um, pleasant. No. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. It's Dick Miller's like uh, essentially like the uh, U.S. Marshal that's chasing her throughout the entire movie. And mm-hmm. he does very Dick Miller type things throughout the whole movie. 
Yeah, I don't know. If you're if you're into weird Foreman produced stuff, it's a lot of fun. And then uh, I bought because they had a for like Roger Corman's birthday every year, they have like a big sale on the Shout Factory website. So I picked up because they have a double disc of Big Bad Mama and then Big Bad Mama 2, which was made like 10 years later. And so I decided to check this one out for obviously first and then uh, I haven't watched the other one yet, but the second one's directed by Jim Ornorski. So. Oh, so it's got a lot more nudity. Probably. This one had a lot of nudity to begin with. I can't imagine what the next one's going to be like. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> and then I watched, went to the theater and caught The Northman, which okay. I had been wanting to see, but hadn't had a chance to get to the theater to see it yet. So finally got there. It is a Viking, uh, Viking like folk story. Essentially, somewhere I read that it's based off of like an old Viking story that was almost sort of like the basis that Shakespeare used for Hamlet. Don't know if that's okay. true or not, but that's what I heard. I could see that point. But um, so this kid watches his dad. His dad is the is the the king of whatever Vikings call their groups, and he sees his dad get betrayed and killed by his brother. Then, uh, so he, he's like, I don't know. Couldn't have been more than like 11. Uh, the, the, the evil guy tells one of his henchmen to kill him as well, but he ends up, uh, getting away, jumping into a boat and just sailing off into the ocean. And the guy just tells, you know, the, I guess the new King that, yeah, he killed him and threw him into the ocean because he didn't want to be embarrassed that he couldn't kill a kid. Um, grossly though, the kid. <laughs> kid used a dagger and just fucking stabbed the dude and tore his nose off. So we do come back later and see the guy just has no nose for the rest of the movie. It's pretty rad. I respect that. So we jump ahead and apparently this kid had been picked up by some Viking group. And so he's just leads like their, their raids and stuff now. And he's like, you know, it's Alexander Skarsgård playing him, and he's, like, fucking shredded. Like, you can see every ab muscle in his stomach and everything, and he just goes in and tears up some of the raid, you know, the raid that they're doing. Just tears people up. Like, the action, the action choreography was incredible. Um, and then he finds out that uh, the guy who killed, you know, the, his uncle had been defeated by another king and had sort of exiled himself to this small island in... Ireland over by Ireland. So he in turn sneaks aboard the slave ship and disguises himself as a slave because he knows that's where they're going because he wants to get revenge on him. And so then the rest of the movie is him at this guy's arm, whatever, plotting his revenge of when he's going to finally kill them. Uh, the movie is super gory and violent, which is fantastic. It was directed by the same guy that directed The Witch a couple years ago. Yeah. And apparently the thing about him is he does a lot of research and tries to make everything as authentic as he can. So there's lots of uh, I don't know, just violence and gore and weird Viking rituals and everything else. 
The whole movie is whole movie is beautiful. You could take a screenshot from anywhere in the movie and just be like, "This is a work of art." Look at it. You'd be like, "Yeah, I could see it." Sounds like it's an interesting movie. It is. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was really good. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right, Noah, what are we watching next week? Uh, we are watching Stargate and the Mummy. All right, I haven't watched. Wanna- be more specific about which version of the mummy? The Brendan Fraser version. Okay. So I haven't watched Stargate since the theater, I think. I definitely, I don't think I've seen it since it was new. I don't believe I saw it in theaters, but that's how it ended up on the list is I'm like, I need to see that again. But what if it's terrible? I'll make everybody watch it. Kurt Russell and James Spader. It doesn't seem like it'd be terrible. Yeah, can't be that bad. So, I mean, it only about... spawned 35 TV shows. <laughs> right? Gave MacGyver a second life. I keep. Then he's really not MacGyver. He's the guy from Stargate. Right? You know? I know. He spent more but, time doing that than he did MacGyver. Yeah. It's so funny that, you know, that whole weird, like, syndicated TV in the, like, 90s and 2000s where it was, like, all those Xena shows and that that were just always on. And they enough people must have been watching them that they just kept making them and they went on forever. Oh yeah, they're super popular. It's I don't even know what channel they were actually from. Like they were oh, just no. they're just made and then direct direct to syndication kind of thing. Well, because I, I think some of the first Stargate show I think started on Sci-Fi, but then I think just. They must have canceled it pretty early and then it went into syndication and then stayed around forever. Because there's there just so many of those shows. Oh, well, yeah. It doesn't really matter. Tell Sam Raimi about a bunch of bunny producer mm-hmm. on those Xena and Hercules shows. Yeah. Um, speaking of Sam Raimi. Nice. Well done. I've, I've, really well, well I was done. I was debating. I was like, should we talk about Moon Knight first, though? I don't know. Yeah, not now. Not with a transition like that. Yeah. I'm missing our chance. Uh, well, spoiler, we're going to talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It's going to be very spoilery. And then we're going to do a Moon Knight review. So I guess fast forward if you don't want to hear. Well, you can just stop it if you don't want to hear either one. You don't have to fast that's, forward. That's, just hear like the true. outro. If you really, true. really like the outro, I guess fast forward to it. But <laughs> well, I was saying if you want to hear the Moon Knight view, yeah. not the Doctor Strange, fast forward. I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> you get to see Doctor Strange uh, jump across multiple realities thanks yeah. to America Chavez, who has the ability to jump between realities. Yes. I didn't know much about her because I didn't read much of her in the comics. But. I have no idea who she is except for what's presented in this movie. That is spot on. That is what you see in this movie is exactly what say. America Chavez is. Okay. From what, I, from what I've read, it's pretty accurate. So Yeah. I think um, the only the only difference is in the comic books, her moms sacrifice themselves to save her or something like that rather than them maybe being alive. That's the only difference I know of. 
Uh, and then uh, one thing we weren't told about is the villain in this is actually the Scarlet Witch. Although there had been some rumblings that that was probably going to be. Yeah, happened, I think but. we all kind of knew that she ended with the Darkhold at the end of WandaVision and that she was going to play a major role in this. So, yeah. I mean, she's literally holding like the Book of the Dead the last time we see her, and they're like, well, she's a big part. I wonder if she'll be a good guy or a bad guy. <laughs> but I was happy about that because I fucking, I really like Elizabeth Olsen in that role, and I'm happy to get, see her get lots of screen time. And then you put her in a Sam Raimi movie, so she gets all fucking gored up and shit. And you're like, all oh, right. So good. I was going to say, the horror movie references abound. Like her whole Terminator stalking of them through like that that one scene in whichever universe that takes place in is it's fucking badass watching her just walk around. And every time yeah. they put something in front of her, she just like, you know, magic's it out of the way. And they're like, yeah, we're fucked. The way she was stalking him. Cause I actually saw this twice this weekend. Okay. Uh, the way she was stalking him and the way she was limping, I got very much, uh, the shining vibes. Yep. Out of that scene, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, the shining whenever she kills all the Ultron robots and she comes walking mm. through the door and she's covered in the oil. Oh yeah. She specifically yeah, she looks like Carrie. Obviously Raimi puts in evil dead references out the butthole in this Jesus Christ. Yeah. I the thing is going into this movie, I was excited because I'm like Sam Raimi. Like and I like I've I've said it lots of times. I love those Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. And I'm like, he sort of revolutionized the industry and set the world up for the MCU. And now he's getting a chance to come back to it. Right. Like that's super exciting to see what he can do with like MCU budgets and shit. It never occurred to me that we're, we're not going in here to see a movie by the director of Spider-Man. We're going in here to see a movie by the director of army of darkness. Cause that's <laughs> what this is, right? This is much more army of darkness than it is anything else that Raimi's ever done. Oh Yeah. No still nods didn't, to the Wizard of Oz at all. We still didn't get Jeffrey Combs in the Doctor Strange movie. I don't know why that's not a thing yet. <sighs> Should we get it out of the way and talk about how much we like the Bruce Campbell cameo? <laughs> <laughs> how fun is it that I love the idea that the fucking MCU fucking 30 movies and 10 TV shows deep now and then they're like, Sam, what do you want to do? And he's like, can I get my buddy to punch himself in the face a bunch of times in the movie? And they're like, I guess the fans will like it. Well, except once again, the normies uh, let us down because whenever I talked to my brother after him and my nephew and then went to see it, they were just absolutely bitching about that in credit scene. What? They were like, that oh was fucking God. stupid. I can't believe they made us sit through this entire fucking thing to wait for that fucking shit. And I was you got to like, stop talking dude. to those people that you can like, your life. Well, that's what I said. I was like, dude, it's, it's Bruce. It's Bruce Campbell. That was hilarious. And he's like, yeah, it's dumb. That was like, ah, fucking God damn it. Did you say, well, you're dumb. Yeah, you're dumb. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're stupid. <laughs> you get a stupid How? face. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, like even if you had had no idea who that was, the idea of waiting through all those credits and then he's punching himself and he, it finally stops and he goes, it's over just as it ends. <laughs> like that's right up there with sitting through the, the credits for that Spider-Man movie and then hearing patience and you're just like, oh, <laughs> you fuckers like <laughs> that's it's. It's amazing. I don't I don't know how anyone could not enjoy that. 
it made me so happy. And I was just like, yeah. Really, I'll tell you what, out of everything in this entire movie, you know what the thing that got me jazzed was? Them finally bringing in Clee. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be be the lady at the end, Doug. Yes, I watched enough YouTube videos afterwards to have that explained to me. Okay, good. I was like, finally, I can't believe they fucking haven't brought this character in yet. I I figured she Um, was going to show up at the beginning. I thought she was going to be like the secret third main character or whatever. I had no idea who she was until after I looked it up afterwards. Yeah, I was, I mean, I figured out like she's setting up the next Doctor Strange movie and she's helping him dimension jump and stuff, right? I'm like, okay. I was fine with it, but I didn't know until I looked it up. What about the fucking, I'm always, it's always my thing. I'm always like the balls on these fucking guys. They just gave one of their superheroes a third eye. And we're just going to have that, I guess, going forward. They're like, yeah, he played with the evil book, so he has a third eye now. What about that? Because I'm like, that was so cool when he like the that like messed up Doctor Strange that had been using the Darkhold and it had like kind of corrupted him and whatever in that weird dimension that they were in. I'm like, that stuff's all so fucking cool. And that third eye looks great and everything. And I'm like, it's too bad we don't get more stuff like that in the mainstream MCU. And they're like, oh, the third eye's coming with us. Apparently, we're just going to have that now. That's great. I hope they don't fucking... Like retcon that somehow. Oh yeah, we got to purge the evil out of you, Doctor Strange, and then it's gone forever. I don't. I hope they don't do that. I want them to keep that third eye. Well, apparently this movie is the biggest opening of the year so far, so I'm pretty sure they're gonna be like Sam. You want to do another one? Just you know, do whatever you want. We don't care. I'll t- I'll tell you guys what though. It was. It didn't. It, parts of the movie didn't feel right. If that makes sense. What not 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 for not for the movie itself, but as far as fitting into the MCU. Like there were moments that I was like, okay, well, I get that they're going for a tonal shift, but this just feels like it doesn't fit. He spends most of the most of the time outside of the MCU. So yeah, I I thought that was actually I. It doesn't feel like an MCU movie. I agree with that, but I thought the fact that he was in other dimensions and timelines made that okay and it, i don't know it all it all worked for me plus i liked it so i don't really i'm not so much concerned with things fitting together as long as the plot lines fit together which i don't think they contradicted themselves anywhere here well i think the the rules of the multiverse are getting real fucking hazy real fast because <laughs> between the spider-man movie setting up one set of rules and loki setting up a completely different set of rules and now this movie setting up a completely different set of rules yet well, again you're like what loki, the fuck loki smashed all the rules that were set up right all those rules were controlled by he who remains or whatever the hell he was calling himself and then that got blown up so that's what all these other problems are a result of that i right? I, I mean i get that uh, but i feel like they didn't this, do they didn't earn it they just kind of threw shit together <laughs> Which well, is fine. I get yeah, that they can't they can't put everything on screen, I, but I, I like see I agree my one of my complaints about Loki and I would say it applies to Doctor Strange too as well, is you're making these huge changes and it just doesn't feel like it has the stakes that are necessary for these changes to exist. I think Spider Man No Way Home did feel like it had those stakes to it. Um but you know, like this movie it it really felt like Considering what we're doing here 
everything is a little bit lighthearted and we're like, well, wait a minute, we're, we're really setting up a lot and we're talking about dimensions colliding and all life in those dimensions being destroyed. And we're really talking very casually about that without, you know, rather than treating it like a big deal, like it is, it's sort of the Alderaan problem, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the the biggest reveals of the movie were all ruined by the trailer, so that was that was upsetting. Well, see, you watched well, that second trailer. I still haven't seen it. To I this didn't. Day. I know. I didn't watch that fucking second trailer. I was <laughs> listening to music on my fucking phone on YouTube, and the fucking TV spot popped up on there, and I turned to shut it off and saw two spoilers in about three seconds. And I was like, motherfuckers. Spoiler, those millennial trailers, they're not they're not for us anymore. They're for people who don't like surprises. Yeah, so, it's so fucking. But why? Like, I it's just it's everyone knew at, everyone knew Xavier was in the movie, right? That that had already mm-hmm. been spoiled the high hell by the time we got there. Did they really need to put that fucking yellow wheelchair in that fucking trailer? <laughs> I, I mean, don't, really? I don't know. I don't even know if they did because I was smart enough not to watch it. <laughs> but OK, let's put aside. Let's not talk about trailers let's talk about how fucking great is it that they got the actor from the movies to play the character from the cartoon because that's fucking great i love <laughs> i love that because to I, me that like that was an awesome twist for those of us who were smart enough to avoid the trailer when he comes you. out and that fucking music note hits and it's from <laughs> it, yeah, yeah that one oh yeah that was probably my and then my he's happiest the and then when he does the thing that they did all the time in the animated series when he fucking like goes into people's minds and now he's up walking around in that fucking like dream world that he creates to be able to interact with them. And I'm like, that's exactly what they did in that animated series all the time. I fucking loved it. He also has the mind waves. Like when he puts his finger up yep. to his head and yep. the circles radiate out, they actually did it. Which oh, I was happy like, about. It like that made me so fucking happy when that happened because I was just assuming we were going to get him like maybe in the outfit that he had in Days of Future Past or something like that, like the future outfit. That's what I was expecting. And so I was so happy when it was the cartoon version. Black Agar bolt again. (laughs) I that annoyed me because I'm still mad that I paid to see Inhumans in theaters whenever it was like five years ago, but I'm still (laughs) upset about it. (laughs) So. I really, thought it was gonna, I really thought it was going to be a different actor. I didn't even know if it was the same actor because I haven't thought about Inhumans. Since. It was. It was, it was yeah. the guy from the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I found out after that it was. But I liked his death, man. The idea that, that when he screams, he kills people. So she shuts his mouth off. So he blows up his own head from the inside. Great idea. <laughs> Plus, I mean, exploding heads, so I'm already happy. I'll tell you what, I was there was one big surprise that I was actually expecting, and then it didn't happen. There at the end, when her, uh, when Wanda and Captain Carter are battling, and Captain mm-hmm. Carter starts to lose, I really, 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 really thought Winter Soldier slash Iron Man Steve Rogers was going to show up in that big mexico oh yeah you thought so i really did i was like because you know you know they snuck chris on set to shoot like three <laughs> seconds of him without all the you know cgi'd back down to look skinny again yeah i don't know and then it didn't happen well what i mean about- i i think they've they've said though that's not like the captain carter from the what if series right she's a different 
that's a different universe altogether again. So yeah, all of these were, which is why they could kill everybody off and not yeah. feel bad about it. how fucking, I'll tell you what though, how unsarah fucking monious was that? They were like, here, let's introduce them all. And they're all dead. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that's fun about the dimension jumping is that you can do that. You can have her come in there and kill them off. It's like when Ultron just destroyed Thanos in the What If series. Like you can just have that, that fun death, and it doesn't really matter because, like, if they really want John Krasinski to be Mister Fantastic in the MCU, they can still do that, right? They just change the outfit a little bit and say it's a different world. So what? Problem solved. Which that was still a surprise for me. <laughs> that I didn't know about that till it happened on screen. Yeah. Like, oh, look at that. It's the one thing I didn't know, like, because of course I knew Xavier was going to be in it. Um, well, I guess I didn't really know anybody else from the Illuminati who I, who it was going to be. I didn't know. Well, the, the problem is, so it's had a bunch of members, and they've kind of come yeah. and gone, and yeah. and half of those members are people who are already in the current timeline and are dead. So, <laughs> either either still. figuratively or literally. <laughs> But you could have that, right? You could still have them in there. Yeah. Because well, I really thought again, different dimension, right? I thought they were going to have what's superior Iron Man show up and maybe Mm -hmm. do the uh, the fan casting with uh, Tom Cruise. There there was rumors that that it happened. There was some quote unquote leaked photo that, of course, now we know is uh, untrue. Yeah, it was fake. But he was on set like. With the the goatee and everything, but yeah, which is what I thought they were doing, and it turns out that was just the Monica Rambeau version of Captain Marvel. See, and once again, you know what they had? They had the perfect opportunity for the Jeffrey Combs cameo because he could have been <laughs> that universe's Strange that read the Dark Hole. I, I really, I really, really wanted to see Bruce Campbell as Doctor Strange. That's. I think he would have looked great in the suit as like an older version of Doctor Strange. Oh, was, did, did the the big collar version like the statue? Yeah, which which was another fake. He put a picture of himself out in the makeup mm-hmm. room, getting yeah. like the, the the goatee drawn on and stuff. Said, "Yep, get ready to film my cameo for Doctor Strange," and everybody went apeshit. But I mean, I pretty much knew it wasn't going to happen based on him doing that. Oh, of course. <laughs> I just been following Bruce Campbell long enough to know better. <sighs> yeah, and it was um, interesting have having uh, the actress who played Monica Rambeau be Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Like, but I, of all of them, that's not the one I found interesting. Oh no, her and Black Bolt, I could really care less about. But you know, it's just like, oh, okay, that's what they did. And I, re- just yeah, I really like Black Bolt's death, so that's the only reason I cared that he was there. I'm disappointed that they finally brought back Mordo. And it was like the fakey alt version of Mordo. And it's like, come on. But then he still turns evil. Yeah. Although we were talking about, you know, you were talking about earlier about how there's a problem with uh, not establishing that there's stakes. And I feel like like this type of situation, you've taken all the stakes out of it. You can just go to any dimension you want and kill any character you want and just get a free pass card. And it doesn't matter, yeah. which that sucks. Like there's well, no, there's no stress. There's no, for the moment yeah. anyway. It, uh, the the idea is going to be: can they make it feel like stakes again when it's affecting the six one six? That's what matters, right? That's yeah. the universe that matters. 
and we know they can, right? Because when they want to, they can make it so that, like, remember Civil War? It's just two dudes punching each other, and it felt like it had bigger stakes than anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was, yeah. like, literally, like, what was going to happen? One of these two guys was going to get hurt. It wasn't affecting anything else. And, you know, even in, in No Way Home, like, it was all about these, like, six guys on this machine. And then, yeah, they did, like, the universe jumping thing and all that. But it really came down to the characters and whether they were going to make it through the scenario or not. Yeah. I think maybe Battle World's coming. Uh, maybe. Sort of. Uh, oh, I'm saying like I know. Uh, some of the videos I've been watching <laughs> have been theorizing they're leading up to Secret Wars, which will essentially lead into battle world the problem is right now that there's so many theories out there of where they're headed and i think they've done a good job of setting themselves up where they have options so they can decide later what they want to do and they can do secret wars but they could still you know they still want to do a secret invasion tv show all right well that'll, that'll just happen as well like it's what's happening it's shot yeah I is it okay and it's I can't keep track of what's shot and why can't I keep track <laughs> sometimes of what's confirmed and what's rumor. But well, it's their, you know, like, their production schedules insane. Because they could also like if they chose to and they wanted to tell one of these stories, they've set themselves up so they could spin it into another universe and tell a version of a story that doesn't impact the main universe and therefore be able to tell two of these stories simultaneously if they wanted to, which is an interesting idea. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm sure there's not room in the slate for it, but now I kind of just want a Wong movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I fucking love Wong. Wong is That's great in everything want, he's been in. Right. Like, I want Wong off doing Wong things. Yeah. What was like the group that uh, Doctor Strange used to put together? The Defenders. Was it the Defenders? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, they kind of did that on. Well, the, well, story. there's more than one. So there's the Defenders, yeah. which was for. Uh, interdimensional threats and then there's the midnight suns for evil hell things well you can just put together like a defenders type thing with wong sort of like in the doctor strange part of it so if people were worried that he couldn't hold like an entire movie by himself you could at least like surround him with a bunch of other people i mean since so the characters of uh atlas Nobody gives a shit about those characters, so you can kind of swap them out. <laughs> that would be a good place to put him. Put Wong in with Atlas. You could even do like a multiverse version now, since we're dabbling in multiverse stuff. Just well, bring in whoever the fuck you want. Yeah, I mean, you've still got Wong with whoever else they want to just randomly stick there and have him be training them. And Ooh, you could do Exiles. I don't know what that means. Uh, it was a team that was put together of multi-verse characters, uh, essentially quantum leaping around, like setting stuff right that once went wrong sort of situation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, Blink from the X-Men stuff. Um, I guess if you didn't read, they haven't really done a whole lot with her on. Yeah, she she is. Yeah. She was sort of like the leader because they did that age of apocalypse storyline and she was like insanely popular in that storyline. So they're like, uh, fuck it. Give it her out. Give her her own like reality hopping, uh, series. So she like led that team for a long time. I'm just saying there's options for Wong to get Wong into stuff without 
having to shoehorn him in. I do like the fact that Wong's been in basically every single uh, movie this phase so far. <laughs> That's true. He's just because he's a super powerful character. He is the Sorcerer Supreme. And yeah. it's like it's crazy, right? That he's a super powerful character, but he's in the background because you know why he's in the background? Because he doesn't fuck shit up. And when you don't fuck <laughs> shit up, then you don't have problems to fix. <laughs> Uh, the, the main the main characters all have to be flawed enough to screw things up and cause all these problems so they have a movie to tell. Uh, how do we feel about Scarlet Witch in this movie? Oh, I loved her. That's just great. Yeah, I thought she was good too. I thought they did a good good enough job of giving her a motivation where I'm like, yeah, I get that. It's kind of yeah. Kingpin in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. She's very sympathetic, yeah. Yeah, like you're like, oh, she's a mom who wants to be with her kids. And I liked the fact that at the end, the reason that they beat her is not because they were stronger than her, but because they showed her that if she does what she's thinking of doing, she's going to hurt her own children. And she's like, I'm like, I love that idea. Yeah. It's very much a um, Christmas Carol type situation. Yeah. yeah. I don't think she's dead. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's. I think that's the last thing. <laughs> they may. They may have wanted to tease that, but I'm like, that's not. That's not real. <laughs> no, she's. She's not dead. She's coming back. And that. And now she can come back as a good guy or a bad guy or whatever they need her to be in the moment when they figure out what they want to do next with her. That or they're going to replace her with another universe. Sir. Which I don't want them to do. Plus, uh, what was it? Agatha's getting her own series. I think. Yes. Surely she's got to at least show up in a cameo for that. You would think, but who knows? Uh, any other favorite parts? I mean, obviously, Doctor Strange inhabiting his own dead body. Yeah, and that's fantastic. Then, like, all the deadites show up and he has to, like, turn them into his own wings and oh, take I over know. them. And just that body crawling around the way it looking all fucked up the way it did. I was so happy. I'm just like, again, like, like plot wise, I have my issues with the movie and the idea that it's like, I don't know how much it felt like it, it had a lot of like, again, the stakes is the word I keep coming back to. I don't think, I don't think I was ever worried he wasn't going to win or anything like that. But at the end of the day, I'm like, how do you not be happy when there's just a fucking zombie Dr. Strange crawling towards <laughs> Scarlet Witch? As soon as he said, who says it has to be alive? I was like, oh, fuck. Yes. Oh, I was almost that asshole that stood up and cheered in the theater. Huh? <laughs> I was like, uh, just so happy. Yeah, because I had completely like that's a fucking way to like drop something at the beginning of the movie. Have you for, completely forget about it? And then all of yep. a sudden you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Chekhov's interdimensional corpse. I forgot about that. <laughs> Because when he buried the corpse, it was actually pretty like a, a fun moment too, where he's like, uh, "That's got to be a violation of some kind." It's, <laughs> oh, I've buried worse. Like it's about it's, about the two Doctor Stranges having a magical battle with yep. music. Uh, again, the fucking balls on these people. Were those guys <laughs> throwing musical notes at each other? Like when either when the, the when the evil guy blocked it with the uh the stanza and it did the <laughs> god damn like whoever proposed that must have been so scared in front of kevin feige going so he's gonna shoot notes at each other 
musical notes and they'll play when they run into it. And he's like, all right, whatever you say. It's like, Jesus Christ. But it was great. Yeah, they trusted. They definitely trusted uh, Raimi to do something right. Yep. And I mean, obviously, his, his fingerprints are so deep in this that he, did, he must have had a lot of creative control by now. That's what it seems like. Because Scott Derrickson was supposed to be the director and he left due to the creative differences. And then they're like, well, to avoid creative differences with the new director, we just won't have any creative control at all. We'll just let him do whatever the fuck he wants. Put your car in it. Sure, Sam. Why not? Oh, yeah. Two times I saw it. I didn't catch the classic in it. I didn't catch it either, but I've heard that it's there. Yeah. So, and I've, was, I've, I was planning to go back and see it. I think, it's, with, I think it's one of the cars that uh, the big tentacle monster throws. Is it okay? Uh, no, it's in the uh, the dimension that the two realities are hitting each other. Oh, it's, it's one just, of the floating ones. And it's just one. Yeah, it's one of the floating cars. It's just All randomly right. around. That's kind of where I was guessing, but I couldn't. Yeah. I didn't pick it up when I was watching. I was too into the movie. So yeah, I completely missed it both times. I read about it like yesterday. I was like, oh, god damn it! I couldn't. I have figured this out before I went and saw it again. By the way. It was just like, yeah, there was a giant octopus at the beginning throwing cars. And we haven't talked about that yet because so much happened in this movie. It's like Like, one of the one of the videos pointed out that the uh, the like the the man bull character. Who is the character from the comics? Yeah, uh, yeah. Standing in the background for for like the entire like big fight at the uh, sorcerer. Player. Carmitage there. Carmitage. And he's like, I just love that we're at this place in the uh, MCU where there's a giant half man, half bull standing in the background. A nobody green, dresses a green, a green, man. green one. And nobody like nobody even questions it or even brings no. it up. And we're not even told a backstory. And then they go to like kill him as part of like a thing. And Wong and him are clearly friends. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> now I want to know more. <laughs> Uh, just yeah, a fucking giant. magical half horse half man it's like what the hell <laughs> alright uh, yeah so giant tentacle monster as well yep. which has been renamed apparently because of uh, copyright problems oh. I accept that I don't know what it's name was uh, do you remember what it's original name was something no. with a G Gore. Orgo the Destroyer or Shamgarath or something around. No, no, everybody thought it was Shumagorath, and it's it's clearly not Shumagorath. Well, it's supposed to be, I guess, but they couldn't call it that, so they named it Gargantos instead. Yeah, well, Gargantos is a creature from the comic books. Yeah, they said they basically just like swapped the names though because. Yeah, if they if they unceremoniously killed Shumagorath like that, uh, uh it would be ridiculous. They said it uh they said it was because apparently that character first showed up in a Conan story. And then when they did the comics, they introduced it into the Marvel comics through the Conan stuff that they did, but Whoever owns the Conan copyright now has the copyright for that character's name. So they couldn't use it in the movie. So they just 
hey, we got another tentacle monster. Let's just call him Gargantos. I'm like, all right. Yeah, most people aren't going to pick up on those subtleties. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was just a bunch of shit that I read. I was like, oh, weird. How do you like it when they plucked his giant eyeball out? I mean, can we talk about like how dark and how gross this movie got for an MCU oh, yeah. film? Like, well, apparently there's a big yeah. uproar that this this movie because it's PG thirteen and people are like, how the fuck is this movie PG thirteen? I mean, it just is. I mean, that's a PG thirteen level of violence. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think it needs to be an R, but I like. I was definitely planning on seeing it twice because I was going to take my kid, and I'm not going to be now. Like it's <laughs> having like you know, thank what? God I'm responsible. You think he wouldn't be all right with Captain Carter getting cut in half? I think he might have some issues with that. I think when the one guy's head explodes, he's not going to understand the scanners reference and it's going to throw him off. Like it's <laughs> yeah. Like it's just a little too dark for um, what most MCU stuff is aimed at. But again, I, I, I think it's fine that it's rated PG 13. I don't have a problem with that, but it, it still is darker and grosser than most other stuff we've seen in Marvel. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, there's lots else? of cool stuff. There's the cool ring reference with her coming out of the reflection. Oh, <laughs> that looked so cool. Somebody compared that to the Pennywise coming out of the refrigerator scene from the new It movies. Well, either way, all good. Is yeah, but it was clearly a ring reference. Um, yeah, that whole thing too when they're like she's using the reflections and they're trying to break it, and the I think it's that America. Chavez chick because she sees like the water in the bottom and she's like messes it all up so that she can't come out through there <laughs> like I, I really like that yeah I was gonna say I don't like the fact that they're clearly trying to make Doctor Strange into the new Tony Stark which is real annoying where he's an asshole in real life and doesn't realize how it affects other people well more like he's the one that's gonna cause all the problems so every problem he uh, solves okay. Because, like, the second he picked up the Darkhold and started reading it, I was like, what in the fuck? This whole movie <laughs> has been about the fact that there, you don't do it. You don't – if you read from the Darkhold, you fuck everything up. Yeah, but he also had to do it to save the day, so. Yeah, but that that's always Tony's excuse. And then everything gets worse. He doesn't ever actually save anything. He just creates a new problem further down the line that's worse. Well, he does save the day. He just also creates a new problem. And that it, they somebody needs to do that in order for the MCU to continue to exist. Yeah, they're called bad guys. You just you, <laughs> they're villains. Yeah, but what are they going to do? Just show up and screw things up? No, you have to have a good guy that's, that screws everything that's up. A, that's what a villain does. It's the definition <laughs> of a villain. <laughs> The only time a villain really did that was in Civil War, where the villain tricked everybody into thinking the good guy did something wrong, because that's something they'd believe in this universe. Where they're like, I know, oh. because I don't, for some reason, Marvel feels like villains are <laughs> passe, which I feel like is just fucking stupid. Like, villains are great. Well, I think they feel like all their superheroes have to be flawed in some way, but the, the flaw they keep using is that they fuck something up, causing, causing the villain to become super powerful well and though well that but, they're awful eagle maniacs because apparently all of them read a lot of uh alan <laughs> yeah but uh in this specific case though we are saying he had no choice but to do that in order to save lives and then yes there are going to be negative consequences for that in the future but well but that's once again that's, but that's that's assuming 
that there was no other way, which the whole entire movie is about the fact that over and over again, he assumed there was no other way and he was wrong okay, well, over and over the, again. What, what was know? the other way based on the information we have from this movie? Well, the whole point is that we don't have all the information. So like Thanos, they beat Thanos without blipping everybody for fucking five years because there was another way. He went through however mm-hmm. many permutations, but that was based on the information that he had. Does that make sense? So he was flawed from the beginning because only he was basing everything off of what he knew. Yeah, The theme for everything was that he needed to Wait. learn to let go and let other people sort of step up when they needed to step up. Rather than being the one to push everybody out of the way and be like, nope, this is the only way that we can do it. But he did that at the end by letting America solve the problem. After after reading the Darkhold. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, he did finally come to the conclusion, but he fucked everything up beforehand. Right. But if he hadn't read the Darkhold, he wouldn't have been able to get to that point. And yeah. she wouldn't have been able to develop control of her powers and... Problems never would have been solved. No, no, once again, yeah, you're assuming that, but one that's the problem. That's the the entire problem is that over and over he assumes that this that he has to do this thing, otherwise there's no way everything will work out. But Wong was still there. Wong was climbing up. We don't know. We don't know how everything turns out. So you're. You so the movie you guys wanted to see then just to clarify is the one where he goes I have a solution I'm not going to do it I'm going to hope the secondary characters take care of this one and he just sits back and puts his feet up him and Christine are just having well a glass I mean, of it could have it could have literally been him learning the lesson of maybe I should trust them that they can handle this so in the climax of your movie instead <laughs> of I just what what we got was Doctor Strange inhabiting his own dead corpse. And then having to battle a bunch of deadite, weird, ghosty things like the things from the movie Ghosts that drag you into hell and control them to go and battle Scarlet Witch. And instead, you guys wanted him to go, nope, I've learned my lesson. I will uh, let other people take care well, of this. And he would have been I'm just a, sitting in that dimension. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Doctor Strange fan, so yes. <laughs> so you would have um, just wanted him sitting there, feet up, and we're like, Wong's got it. And then... I mean, at this point, why even clip over to Wong? We'll just assume he'll take care of it, and we can just watch Christine and Doctor Strange have a chit-chat. Now, now you're just being hyperbolic. <laughs> you need to you're, calm down. You're, I, you're, you're dealing in absolutes, and that is definitely not the movie that we wanted to see. My point has been that the... You're trying to take away my dead Doctor Strange, and I'm telling no, you. No, I, I... If I he want, doesn't read the Darkhold, he can't inhabit that body. We don't get our dead Doctor Strange walking around, and that was the best thing I've seen on screen <laughs> in a long fucking time. I love that part. I'm not, I'm saying we got the movie we got and I'm fine with the movie we got. I'm saying the theme of, of it is he needs to learn to let go. And he hadn't done that yet up to that point. Yeah. They, they point that out when he sees that other doctor at the wedding and the doctor keeps telling him like, you know, I was gone for five years because of you. And he keeps saying, well, I didn't have any other choice. But then as Noah pointed out, when we jump to an alternate reality, we find out there was another choice. Yeah, he just didn't know he he didn't know what that other choice was in this reality, but he that didn't really in that alternate reality had different options though. Hmm. We don't know that the whatever happened in that other reality would have worked in this reality, and we also well, don't know what the negative consequences used, were there. They they used the magic book that could literally solve any problem. 
Right, which he didn't have access to in the 616 universe. Right. But he could have because he never read the books that he was given yeah. as the Sorcerer Supreme. Which is yeah, again, Wong, yeah, because Wong has to point it out that yeah, it yeah. is real. You never bothered to look into the books, but he doesn't yeah. know where it is. So you wanted him to then travel back in time to read the books? No, you keep saying, "Did we want? We didn't want anything. We're just pointing out the theme was that he needed to learn how to let go of stuff." They pointed out multiple times throughout the movie, and then he finally did at the very end of the movie. Right. So the theme complete. At the end of the movie, you have to. It has to happen at the end of the movie. Yeah. It can't it can't happen right before the no. climax of the movie. I don't think either one of us is arguing that. Right. We're just arguing that he he read the dark hold, which he should have known better. Yeah. But he did it and we got Zombie Strange. And it's amazing. We, if he hadn't done it, we wouldn't have had the end of the movie. Everything would have played out totally different from what, what we know. Right. <laughs> we did. we know that. You're right, Doug. You're totally right. <laughs> I concede. Wish you guys had just learned to do that at the beginning of conversations. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else about Doctor Strange? Do you, do you think there was a lot of people in the theater crying whenever uh, the John Krasinski Mr. Fantastic got shredded <laughs> and his head exploded? No. Was, was sure there a bit? Well, I, I people, read like a. I'm, a I'm real sure fun. people were so horny whenever he dropped out. Yeah. No, I read a real fun online article about how the guys just like, yeah, give the fans what they want, and then fuck you, take it right back. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yep, I agree with that. I imagine there was a lot of people who got super excited when they saw him, and then were like, what? And because like normies too, right? Like, because there's weirdly like normies are trying to be like us now and so they would be like all in on like the fan rumors of john krasinski coming in but they'll they're not be they won't be able to take enough logical steps to realize that he could still play mr fantastic later we have no idea if he will or not there's not we have no information on that so they think now that he won't be able to so they'll be mad about it I thought the funniest one I've seen is there's been a million like YouTube videos and they all keep bringing up the fact that um, of all the Illuminati members counted, there was one more chair than the people that were there. And they were like, which chance that there's another Illuminati member. It's it's this guy or it's this guy. It's this guy. And it's like, no, it was it was their version of Doctor Strange. There he, t- there he told you that he was he was a member and that they killed him. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I thought that went without saying the. Uh... Yeah, or not I would say. Things. I thought it was said in the movie. Yeah, no need for big conspiracies. It's just anything else but Doctor Strange. It was dope. Yeah, I was a big fan. Yeah, it was super fun to watch. I want to see it again. And I think the next the next movie they're getting back to the dark dimension, which makes me happy because as as fun as the multiverse stuff is. I kind of want Doctor Strange to be doing Doctor Strange things, and and multiverse stuff isn't really a Doctor Strange thing. Yeah, it is in the MCU. All right, well, let's talk about the last episode of Moon Knight. Let's right. do that because I completely hey. forgot what happened. Hey, hey, <laughs> why don't you guys? Why don't you guys sit here and complain about it, you thieves of joy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not complaining about the last episode. My all my complaints about Moon Knight are about the beginning of it. Once we entered that hospital, I've been pretty happy ever since. I I thoroughly enjoyed watching the giant alligator fight the dead bird in this one. Even if I'm not entirely sure why they were fighting. Well, 
I only have one complaint about that. So they firmly establish this idea of that the gods are powerless to affect mortals without their avatars, which is the whole reason why they need them. But when the giant, uh, when Amet is fighting Khonshu, there's like several times where they like swing a staff and like hit a car and a car goes flying and it's like, well, wait, no. Well, that he just affected it. He just affected like reality, which he's not supposed to be able to do without his avatar. I feel like they are able to at that point. And maybe, I, maybe there's like, like to fully say, like I think the as much as I enjoyed watching the episode, I liked the big fights. I thought I, a lot of it was really fun to watch. I don't know that they explained everything very well, and I think that somehow Ethan Hawke getting his hand on that goober that they had to get and then bringing out the giant fucking alligator made it capable of affecting the world. And then when they broke that statue and let the giant dead bird out, it can affect the world now too. So the other gods couldn't affect the world, but those two could, I think at that point. But why couldn't Khonshu before he was put in the statue? Well, yeah, and after he broke out of the statue, if Khonshu couldn't affect or could have fought mortals, why didn't he just stop Haro? Because that was this whole thing where he, he said turned, he was he was going to go try to slow him down, but he actually couldn't stop him because he just can't. I, I just told you that I think he could affect morals after he got out of the statue. You guys are asking me about before he went in the statue, and I don't think that that's this is, fair. This is after. <laughs> after he was released and she refused to become his avatar, he zips out and gets in front of Harrow, but he, he can't do anything. He can't attack there's, him. There's something to the effect of once the giant alligator is there and the giant alligator and the guy from reality bites together, you Nobody can beat them both at the same time. I don't really know why. <laughs> I don't know. Speaking of which, we were talking about the giant balls of uh, Doctor Strange. How fucking gigantic are the cojones of this fucking filmmaker to have Moon Knight black out in the middle of that fight and beat him <laughs> while blacked out? Uh <laughs> I would be shocked if there's not a very visceral reaction from a lot of people on that, but I thought it was, I stood up, I stood up and yelled whenever it happened. Well, the thing is not not necessarily in a negative way, but in a what the fuck kind of way, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) we've had these hints of that third personality the whole time. And the whole time I'm thinking, well, like I figured out what was going to happen, like the ending that we get, I figured it out at that moment because I'm like, Oh, I see what's happening here. Like two of these three personalities have negotiated a way out of this. So only the most badass of Moon Knights is moving forward. And I'm like, that's great. Because that means like all the Moon Knight violence in the future will be from the perspective of that third character, whatever his name is. Jake. Jake. Sure. Yeah, I guess. How fun yeah. was it when he Moon Knight was going across the screen fighting? And as he switched back and forth between personalities, the costume switched to like that suit one to like the more superhero looking one back to the suit one as he was fighting his way across the screen. I, I'm I enjoyed just glad that. We, I, I thought it was the best action piece that's been in the whole show. Oh yeah. Yeah. By far. Uh, 
I also liked them turning the girlfriend into a superhero. I was going to ask you about that. How come she doesn't get hippo powers? Because she should have got hippo powers. Okay, so (laughs) number one, she is a complete invention. So that is an entirely original character. The first one in the MCU to be. The girl or the hippo? The the girl. I mean, the, the hippo god technically exists, but. I, I can't remember if there, she does anything important in the comic books or not. I don't I don't recall any. But essentially, so there there is an analog character called the Scarlet Scarab, who is okay. this random ass, no name, nobody knows who the fuck that is character. But if you if you type in that name into Google and look at the costume, you'd be like, okay, I see how they took that influence to here. But yeah, she's so she's an entirely and I think they said she's in in I mean, I guess it's inarguable. She is the first MCU superhero that is entirely an invention. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize that. I thought she was from the comics. No. Because I'd like I'd heard that there's like a female version of Moon Knight, so when they were hinting that she might take over, I thought that's what they were hinting at. Yeah. But you're well, that's that's kind of, that's kind of what I thought too. But she's that that character, that woman is not in the comic books, is so far as I yeah. know. Okay. Seems like something I saw was that she was in the comics, but she's a different ethnicity. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't recall that character. No, I don't know. I don't. I haven't read them. So. But Moon Knight, Moon Knight comics get real fucking confusing because everything's been reset so many times that you can't fucking remember what's what. But I, I actually, once they showed her with her like wings and the swords, I was like, you know what? I want that TV show. I've, I've fucking, I've changed my mind. Fuck Moon Knight. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I really Oscar, liked Oscar Isaac didn't got. sign that contract. I want to see crazy. A uh, hippo goddess bird blade lady just fucking murder some people. <laughs> it was cool the way it all worked. I, I liked it a lot. I just didn't understand. I want and I was kind of like hoping for hippo powers. I wanted to see her like I don't know, bite watermelons in half or stomp on people <laughs> to death or something. I don't know what do hippos do? Get 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 very aggressive when somebody comes near her river. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted. She just has to live in a river and she can only fight villains that come too close to it. Mm. Anything else? I don't know. I, d- I did like the final reveal of because in the com- I kept wondering because I was like, you know what? In the comic books, Kanchu is just a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And I kept wondering why he wasn't a piece of shit in the show. You know what I mean? They hint that he has his his own motives and stuff, but they were making it seem like his alternate motives is just, you know, he's obsessed with his revenge quest or whatever. And that's that's his big, deep, dark thing. But whenever it came to the end where it was like, nope, I knew that my host was fucking crazy and I've actually been using his third personality this whole time and fuck him and his little English friend, you know, (laughs) not like that. I kind of like the idea that the god is like, even though the technically was the good guy for the series, is also just kind of a dick. There's an element of Doctor Strange that I like about that too, is the idea that he's practical and just doesn't really care about people in the same way. Although I guess they kind of are bringing him around to caring about people. 
Well, I think they're they're trying to get to the point where they can set up this idea that gods in general are just they're not good. They tend to have too much power and they tend to be manipulative and all that oh, kind of stuff. Because yeah. they need to set up Gore the God Butcher. Well, I think yeah, I think eventually anytime you have godlike characters, you're gonna have to acknowledge that the one universal truth is that power corrupts, regardless of you know anything else. There was I'll tell you what, there was a brief moment at the end. Where whenever it showed Harrow in that mental asylum mm-hmm. and the person walks in to take him, at first I went, oh, my God, if that's fucking, uh, oh, what's it? God damn it. Why did my brain just go blank? The actor, Batman, Gore, what the fuck's his name? Christian oh, Bale. Thank you. I was getting ready to say, if that's going to be Christian Bale in disguise and he's just going to wheel him out and, like, cut his fucking head off and walk off, that would be so fucking cool. But instead, it was just Jake, so that's fine, too. Um, did you finally get to see the Thor trailer before uh, Doctor Strange? Uh, I did. What do you think? Looks all right. <laughs> it's quite a compelling review. Well, I just it's don't. The, it's, so here's, here's the thing. I don't give two fucks about the Gore the God Butcher story. I just don't. It's, it's one of, like, the modern stories, and it's crap. Those new comics suck. I don't. I don't fucking care about that. I want Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> well, maybe Beta Ray Bill is in this movie. You just don't know it yet. Maybe he is, in which that would be a waste because it should be a whole movie dedicated to Beta Ray Bill <laughs> and not to fucking this the, the douche who they can't even do right because he's got a fucking symbiote and they're not, they've already said they're not doing the symbiote. So how the fuck are you doing a character whose main thing is having a symbiote without a symbiote? Oh, none of that made any sense to me. What about um, the trailer for Avatar that came out before wow. Doctor Strange? Could yeah. could you guys give yeah, any less of a shit Avatar. that there? It is amazing how little I cared. <laughs> I got bored during the trailer, and it's not even like a full length trailer. I'm like, holy shit, this again? And I'm like, oh wait, I haven't seen anything about Avatar in like a decade, and I'm still bored. I, like, I thought <laughs> it was. It, it's weird that my first instinct whenever they popped up and they, you know, obviously you see the blue skinned alien immediately. And my first thought was just to go, fuck you. <laughs> I just, I can't believe they're making more avatar. And I, it feels like it's going to flop horribly. Like, does anybody give a shit? Like the I'm whole sure, thing about sure the, the whole first movie, like wasn't that whole first movie. The whole thing was we have this new 3d technology. And now it's not new technology anymore. So what have they got left? Well, I don't. The, the thing I don't get is he said whenever he made the first one, oh, it's supposed to be a trilogy. And he's the type of fucking director that all he has to say is, OK, I'm making the second one. And they give him the money and he makes the movie. Well, especially after the first one didn't made all that tons. Of right. Money. Right. Well, so but, I don't get what the fucking point was to wait a bajillion years to fucking make the I, second one. I he always he says that he always has to wait for technology to catch up to what he wants to do. That's his excuse for waiting so long. I think he's just a fucking cocksucker. Well, <laughs> lots of people, lots of people who work with him will tell you that because he's notoriously hard to work with. I just, I, I, I am, it, Avatar blows my mind. It was such a cultural phenomenon for like such a short period of time. And I just don't think anybody cares anymore. I still haven't seen it. Like, I saw it in theaters once. I have not seen it since. I saw the Cirque du Soleil show based on it. 
<laughs> but like here's the thing it's a bunch of hippy di- like even i thought it was a little bit hippy dippy bullshit whenever it came out like it wasn't bad but it was hippy dippy bullshit and now with the way things are fucking there isn't a goddamn republican on this planet that's going to go to that movie they're going to be bombing it with negative reviews being like liberal agenda <laughs> But it also isn't like, again, having not seen Avatar since theaters, so maybe I shouldn't comment too much on it. It wasn't a well-told story. It wasn't an original story. It was just the visuals and the technology. Really? Two groups of people fighting over something called unattainium? (laughs) Wasn't a well-written story? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, I forgot forgot how dumb that was. Yeah, yeah, Uh, it was real fucking dumb. Yeah, all right. Visually stunning. <laughs> it was real fucking dumb. And I just don't. Uh, I heard it was just Fern Gully, essentially. I've never seen Fern, Fern Gully. Fern Gully, if your hair could have sex with a <laughs> with animals and then control them through your weird hair sex <laughs> organs. So, so that part's not in Fern Gully. Then I again haven't seen it. So, yeah, it's it's in the director's cut. <laughs> <sighs> Tim Curry sings a whole song about it. Hmm. Well, see that I'd watch because it's Tim Curry. So it's probably delightful. But a little scary. He does it as Pennywise the whole time. <laughs> uh, right now, one of us should know how to do a Pennywise impression so that we can sing that. No. All right. <laughs> Old and grand. <laughs> Smoking sludge. All right, all right. So the podcast ended when Ryan yelled no then? Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.